seeking collaborations with influential people, at GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. If you would like to support me to continue making these podcasts, you can click on the link in the show description. My guest speaker today was born into a big, humble family in the poor suburbs of Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. She completed her education in tough circumstances, learned a number of foreign languages, and took her career from medical school to Miss Universe. She is an actress, TV host, and model, most known for her title as Miss Dominican Republic Universe 2013 and Miss World Dominican Republic 2016. She reached top 10 status in Miss Universe and became the first runner-up in Miss World, representing her native country in the two most important pageants in the world. She has toured several cities representing the Caribbean islands and has done charitable work as well as served as a pageant judge. She is also the co-founder of the Maya Foundation. This foundation supports teenage orphan girls from underdeveloped regions of Nigeria for the long term until they are financially independent. Welcoming Yaritza Reyes to get to know you. Welcome, Yaritza. Hello. Thank you so much. That was a very nice and profound introduction. <laughs> yes, it is. Absolutely. Well deserved. You've done so much. I really would love to hear about, you know, growing up in a rough, difficult circumstances usually pushes people to be angry at the world and kind of go downhill. Why did it push you in the other direction? How do you think it did that? I think it had to do a lot with my parents, especially my mother. She was always there. She's always been a kind person, and I feel she sort of taught taught us that me and my and my siblings. And I also understand that sometimes when you go through hardship in life, it just pushes you in the direction of being grateful about the things you are able to achieve. So I always see whatever I do, whatever I do in life, whatever I'm able to get in life, as uh, as an opportunity. I see it as a way like. Like, I'm so grateful for this that otherwise I wouldn't have gotten because I was not supposed to. I was supposed to be the girl that it's pregnant at 15 years old and doesn't have like a, a real life besides taking care of her kids and then trying to make ends meet. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy about everything that I've been able to achieve uh, and I see it as a blessing more than no, like, oh, my God, like life is so hard. Like, why did this happen to me? I see it in a way that I had to learn from it and I will use it to my advantage. That's really beautiful. Do you think, did you, did you practice gratitude, being grateful from a young age? Like, did you know what it meant? Like, did your parents make you do things to be grateful? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, like it was taught to us to be grateful, to be able to have a plate of food, a plate of food on our table every day, because even if it wasn't the best meal, we still had it. And if I was, I was also brought up in a Catholic, uh, in a very Catholic family. So even the, the like, you know, religion is always about being grateful or most of the times it's about being grateful and it's also about appreciation and it's about forgiveness so in that sense, I think like I got it without having the fanatism or without having this, um, God will provide, so we're not going to do anything because he will eventually provide. No, no, no. It was the, we're going to go out, we're going to try and get the things. Today we've gotten it, let's celebrate it. The next day we did and well, let's work a little bit harder because God will be in our way and he will help us uh, to like to have what we need for the next day. So being grateful, yeah, for sure. Like everything was, because also we worked for everything. So if you put hard work into it, like you needed to also sort of celebrate that mm. thing. 
That's really great. That's a beautiful point. Like when you did something or when something that you uh, you guys worked really hard and you, you had tough situations and something good came from it, then you were celebrating it. That's a, I think that's a great point that helps gratitude as well. Like so a lot of people, I think, forget to celebrate when good things do happen. Sure. It's everything. I, I like this phrase so much. It is everything that you have in life you once dreamed of. Even if it's your phone, even if it's a blouse, even if it is a nice car, a penthouse, or even if it is just to have a puppy, you wanted it and then you you were able to get it. You once desired it. Don't just let it fly by and start looking at the next thing. No, like take a moment of appreciation and say like, I'm so grateful that I was able to get this and really enjoy it because otherwise everything loses meaning. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you're able to to recognize that and, and have that and have that instilled in you from a young age, like and your parents able to to do this to do that for you. And it was something that you were learning uh daily? Is something that you were you practicing or aware of it? Were you aware of it, do you think, daily? Or just maybe some yeah, maybe I mean, when a when a bad situation popped up, then you were aware of it. No, I think even daily, I could think of, of something very, very small, like I will have a notebook mm. and the notebook that I had, my mom will go page by page by page and she will put the numbers of the, uh, of the pages. If she couldn't buy one, well, she will then usually buy one with numbers, but she will just write the numbers in each one of them. Yeah. And it was for her, it was a way to know one if I wasn't doing my homework and I will remove the page out of it. <laughs> but it was also for me not to start like doing other things or taking just the pages to uh, to play around. It was a way to be like, hey, this is your notebook and you, you need to appreciate this 144 pages that you have in which you're going to be able to learn. And if you decide to remove one of these pages because you don't want to do the homework, how are we going to make sure that you're able to learn what you need to learn? So even just keeping this and being able to like do your homework or to learn is going to make sure that in the future you have knowledge and it's going to make sure that in the future you're going to be a, a, a person that is able to understand better how the world, how the world works. That's fantastic. I love that your mom did that. That's really cool. She like wrote on each single page the number. That's really great and made sure it was like, nah, you won't skip in a page. Like that's that's so good. Great habit that she like instilled in you. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to uh, do it the same way, but probably I will do something very similar when I have uh, children of my own because I see it from the gratitude of her, like even uh, like giving it to me and making sure that I use it in the best way possible. But for example, she didn't have it that way. When my mom was like uh, five years old, six years old, she would like to draw Mm. on her notebook. And her mother, once she realized that she was doing that, she was, um, uh, she's, Wait, wait, is that when she took her out of school? Yeah, she decided to take her out of school and be like, you're not the one paying for these notebooks. If you want to do drawings, you're going to have to go and start using plantain leaves. Wow. And uh, my mom, after that, since she was like six, seven years old, she started selling uh, sweets. She will make sweets so she could sell and she could also make sure (laughs) that she will have the money in order for her to be able to get herself a notebook so she wouldn't have to go through that. And she will appreciate that notebook because you're like seven years old and you're making candies out of wow. uh, banana so you can sell them and you can make sure that you're going to have the notebook so you're able to do the class and the drawings that you want to do. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So she already had that. She's like, okay, i got to think. What do I do? Make candy, sell it at seven years old and, and go through that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes you think like a simple notebook, like you need to appreciate the fact that you have a notebook. And instead of telling me like, no, you're going to go use plantain leaves, she was like, no, you make sure that you appreciate it. And this is going to be a guided process. I'm going to be through you to make sure that you're learning what you need to learn because you're going to need it in life. Yeah, that's beautiful. When your mother told you this story, did that make you think of like, did you start like appreciating the small things more? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And that's why for, I, I consider myself and herself a hardworking person because 
you cannot just wait in life for things to happen. You need to go out and get them and you need to work towards them. And knowing that she had to do it for from such a young age made me also realize everything that she was doing for us, also for, for us not to have to go through that. Mm. So I was able to, to appreciate those small things. And everything that I like I will uh, get receive or, or um, yeah, just get like, I would be able to appreciate. And if my mother didn't know where it was coming from, even if you get a pencil that she knew she didn't buy, she'll be like, where do you get this pencil? <laughs> Juan gave it to me. Who's Juan? Why did he give you a pencil? And she will make sure to figure it out. And if uh, it will never happen, but if you took it from someone, if that will be the case, you will make sure that you return it. Yeah. Nice. I love that. There's the things that you work for. You're not supposed to get anything else from anyone. Mm-mm. Nothing will go into our house that didn't belong to us. Wow. No. Wow. That's so cool. Did some of those things, those, those things that your mom instilled in you, shape the reason why you chose to go into Miss Universe? Or how did that journey even start? <laughs> well... I th- oh my god where did that came from I think that honestly I didn't have a necessarily close approach to Miss Universe because I used to think that that wasn't for me mm. I will think that pageant girls were pretty and there were no brains to it yeah so okay I'm interested in going into something like that but curious enough I never thought about it my mom was was used to work at a factory so they will make clothes and uh, one of the things that they used to do, I don't know why it started, um, they would do pad, not pageants, well, sort of pageants with dolls. So they will make the, the clothing for the dolls. And maybe somehow at some moment I was interested because of that. I don't know if, if, if that was necessarily the link. Maybe it was in my head, in my subconscious, and I will see it as something mm. nice the way that, will, that they will do it. But I never had a relation, uh, a direct connection to pageants. It just sort of happened that I wanted to be in the media. I, I knew that I wanted to work on TV. And I felt like that would be a good way to showcase myself. So I could get in contact with possible people that I could work with, with uh, TV channels, uh, that I could work in the movie field. Because it happened after I had already decided to change from medicine into social communications because I knew that I needed and that I wanted to be in front of a camera basically. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you something? I'm going to ask you something. I don't know how to ask this, but did you know you were beautiful at a young age? No. <laughs> you, you, did, you didn't know? No. I never mm. considered myself beautiful. It, and that's the thing. It, I didn't feel ugly but I didn't necessarily feel beautiful I just wasn't aware of my image until I went to pageants yeah I just knew that I could act or that I like to be on a stage and that I had good stage presence because already at school like I was being part of the theater group and also at church I was being part of the theater group so I knew that I had stage presence and I feel like I was more driven towards the stage presence than the beauty because I knew I didn't fit the pattern. I knew I was the girl that would go with the messenger bag that had, sn- uh, that had converse, well, the fake converse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, like, like those uh, the, uh, skater pants, the ones with a lot of holes, uh, with uh, a lot of pockets. That's the way that I would dress. So I, I didn't consider myself beautiful. I was just another girl who knew that she wanted to work on TV or, or something. Yeah. So did someone else tell you, hey, you should go into Miss Universe? Or like, how did, yeah. what happened? Someone else pointed it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was someone else pointing it out. So I met someone from the organization of Miss Universe in Dominican Republic. I was doing a casting for a TV commercial of the 200th anniversary of uh, uh, our father of uh, the motherland, the father of the motherland um and they were like oh my god like you should audition for the miss universe we know you look great you're so pretty so and so and i was like oh well thank you but i'm not interested <laughs> oh you said no oh okay <laughs> i said no but they had my I, I wasn't into it because of what i just told you i thought that it was a bunch of girls yeah. so smart they were just looking pretty and also it was very expensive and I didn't have the money. You had to, to pay for it. Oh yes. Oh, 
2016, you had to pay $2,500 to be able to get in. Okay. okay. Not, okay. not all countries are the same. Mm-hmm. Not all the countries are the same. Yeah. Uh, in the States, you don't have to pay, for example. I think Venezuela, you don't have to pay. Um, and those are like powerhouses for the beauty pageant industry. So I was like, not interested. They called me a month later saying, hey, we're going to start with the pageant. Uh, will you like to check it out? And that's a time when I just decided to finish university. Yeah, that's when, when I already talked to the counselor and everything. Like, I am not going to continue in medicine. I, I want to change careers. And they told me to go check it out. And I was like, well, I lose nothing going there. So I put on the best thing that I thought that I had. I, I put on my jeans. I put on a, a, a nice shirt and the only pair of high heels that I had at the house. <laughs> so I <laughs> public transportation uh, and Dominican public transportation is not public. It's actually sort of private. And it consists of a, of a sedan, of a, of a small car where you're supposed to f- put five people, seven go inside of it. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now we're away. And now we're in something away from the place where it will happen. So I went there. <laughs> I went to the to see what this was all about. And I could see these girls coming out of very expensive cars and the dresses and the makeup. And I was like, yeah, this is... <laughs> What am I doing here? And um, one of the instructors, when I was there, she made she told me to stand up. And she was like, oh, you see the way that she's dressed? That's the way a miss should never dress up. That was the first thing that I heard. Oh, shit. I'm 100% serious. Wow. I was like, well, okay. That's nice to hear. <laughs> but that same day, they had a photo shoot. Uh, and the photographer was going to choose who did best, and he chose me. Hey! <laughs> nice! Yeah, he chose me, and that was like, huh, well, not so bad after all. Yeah. And I gave me a feeling of like, well, not so bad. Even after all that happened, then I was like, even with the boost of energy that the photographer gave me, I still felt like I didn't have the money and that I didn't fit in a hundred percent. So I still said no. And then one of the girls, like a few weeks after that, she pulled back from the pageant and it was already paid. And they were like, Hey, this is your chance. Uh, if you take it or leave it, and someone left and we're not going to give it, we cannot give back the money. So you can go in. I decided to go in and then it was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, my family was like, you should not do that. This is not the right thing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but still they were, because that's also the thought, everything that goes behind a pageant, all the, like, you know, if there's a certain sponsor that wants to take you to bed and that's the only way they're going to win, they were very afraid of something like that happening. Yeah. And so they weren't hundred percent convinced, but I was like, You've raised me well. You know that if um, I do something, I commit at 100% and I'm going to do my best. And at first, they, at the moment, I was uh, doing class. I, I was still teaching English to children. So all the savings that I, ha- that I had, I invested in that. And I was se- sending a lot of letters to people to see if they could help. I didn't get any help, but mm. I was able to... Uh, to go through the pageant, I found this girl that had a store and I was like, Hey, can you lend me the clothes? And I will make photos. I will put it on Facebook. And she agreed. And one of my friends that I knew he used to do makeup on his uh, cousins. I said like, Hey, you're the only person that I know that, that knows how to do makeup. Can you help me? Please, please, please. He decided to help me. And another uh, friend also from choir university that I was a model for a photo shoot that he needed to do for university. I was like, you're the only person I know that knows how to, uh, that, that will be willing to do a photo shoot of me. Can you please help me? And those were the three people that I had. And I was able to, once I was inside the pageant, I didn't have the best clothes, but all the attention came to me once I was able to do what I knew I knew how to do best, be on stage and go into a TV show and, and talk. I had the opportunity to take the microphone one day and then every, all the heads were turning. Who's this girl from Elias Pina, the poorest region of the Dominican Republic? 
And after that interview on TV is when I actually had a chance to, to be a threat or the, or, or the black horse. Oh, in the wow. Yeah. I didn't have a dress until the, the, until a week before the final. And I never wore my dress until the final. Wow. And I was able to win also the pageant because I was able to speak. If I wouldn't, if I wouldn't have been able to make it to, to speak, then I, of course, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to. Oh my gosh. I, wow. I didn't have the most astonishing dress. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was rocking it. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Like if you've got like your, if you feel confident, I think, and you, I guess, and you're like, you had nothing to lose. You're like, I'm just going to go for it. You yeah. make anything, whatever it is you're wearing, I'm sure look amazing. And in my mind, winning was not the objective. Mm. I really people to see me and I really wanted to be able to get in contact with a uh, with a TV show I really wanted to work on the on the film industry yeah. I was like of course like I come from a from a poor neighborhood in Santo Domingo uh, I am I am going to be able to have a platform because of the way that I am but the winner is going to be one of the rich girls that's what I thought and once I'm at the once I'm at the top five, and I see the emotion of the people because the only people who were able to go was my family. So I had a very small amount of people in the audience. And there were girls that had their names printed on banners, on hats. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And when I, and throughout the night, the, the closer I get to the crown, the more people start shouting for me. I was, where did these people come from? <laughs> like, why are they going for me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's, I feel like I was just able to somehow make an impression in them and connect to the people in the audience. And that also helped. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously you had like a great spirit and they connected with you and, and you were like, you know, down to earth and you would have been, you know, just like a, a lot of ordinary people. Like you said, everybody else had all the, was super wealthy, had all these things. So they felt more connected to you probably than, than the yeah. other but um, people in the pageant, like um, yeah, that's just uh, so wonderful. And you were you entered, if I'm not correct, you, if I'm um, you you would have been about what twenty years old. Oh uh, no, then I was um, I won with eighteen. No, I at nineteen. Sorry, 19. I won nineteen years old. Yeah. Wow. So having all of that and like the courage and have the even attempt to even go on the pageant and be like, you know, look at my background, look where I'm coming from, but hell it, I'm going to go for it anyway at 19 years old. Like that's, <laughs> takes, that's a lot of balls there, you know, like you've got like, yeah. wow. <laughs> I, know. I know. I think back at it and I was like, wow, girl, thank you so much. Because <laughs> I also need to thank a lot the Yarixa that took the decision back then to do it because without her decision then, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. And, and same thing. And, and, you, and sometimes you need to snap out of the mentality of what you were, of what you're supposed to do, of your surroundings to, to, to be able to see that you can actually achieve more because in my mind back then, I was like, I'm not going to win. Mm. But I had everything needed to be able to win because I did win. It was proven to me that I had everything it took. I had the trust in me, but I didn't know to what to what it sent. I just knew that I had to do anything that I would do in life. I had to do it the best possible. It was not like halfway through. No, no, no. Like I knew that I had to do it well, and that played and that played really well for me back then. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's such a great boost to like, you know, go you now like maybe probably you see like, wow, I actually have a lot of options. I could do anything like it probably you took off some other glasses and you could see like a lot more, I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it was also great for me. It was a great experience for me because I was able to connect with uh, with more people that were like, uh, you, I became the queen of hearts. They started calling me by the, oh, the queen of hearts. That's so yeah. beautiful. I love that. Beautiful when I read that. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. It gave, I feel like it also made me connect because it gave hope mm. to people that come from the same surroundings that I do to know that we could be able to achieve greater things and not only what was mm, what was predetermined for us for coming from a poor neighborhood in Dominican Republic. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And what was your experience like as like, you know, you I think you were telling me before earlier that you were like the only black woman in the top 10 Miss Universe. Like what was that experience like? Did you feel any difference or any discrimination, anything like that? Or what was that experience like? I did not, once I was in the Miss Universe, I did not feel uh, direct discrimination, let's say. Uh, but definitely being the only black girl uh, out of 15 and being the only one with curls as well it makes it, it, it made me it makes you think about the representation like we were not being represented there were not enough mm. uh, some might see it like oh that's great because you don't have any other competition any direct competition you don't have like why do I have to be against another black fella like yeah. why should I yeah I will feel better if there are more because it says like we're all equals and we all have the same chances and we all have the same opportunities. So back then I felt, I feel great that I was, I was able to be there, but I still felt like more of us were lacking to have that same opportunity. And if you see the past history, like uh, now it was different. Uh, 2019 is the first time where you actually had the biggest titles uh, Miss World, Miss Universe, Miss America, Miss USA, Miss Teen USA were all black, but that never happened before. Mm. Why did it take so long? Miss Universe only has four black women who have won, and they've been uh, having the pageant since the 60s. Like, that's wow. impossible. That's uh, crazy it, that took that it long. Is. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. And the first time I won one was in 75 in Dominican Republic, and she was from Trinidad and Tobago. So history needs to be changed. And even as I see it, like as I used to see it, it might be very much about only appearance, but there's so much more than that. And we have to also, we cannot choose the right way to teach other people what to do in life. There needs to, like, there's some people that like strawberries. There's some people that like chocolate cake. You need to be able to put out there as much representation in all different kinds of stages so people can be able to see it. Because some people might be intellectuals and they want to go see a conference about astronomy and you will want to have someone also representing that Black people are, are, are good astronomers. But then some other people will rather go watch a pageant or some other people might just want to go to a drag show. And in all of those places, we need to be represented. Absolutely. Nicely put. Perfectly put. I love that. I love that so much. And so you also, you're the co-founder of the Maya Foundation, which I think is incredible. I really love that, you know, this this foundation supports like teenage orphan girls uh, from obviously, you know, underdeveloped regions. And it's for the long term, which is very different, I think, from a lot of other uh like foundations like you make sure that they're financially independent that's just that's just incredible and like you, how did that how did that um how did that begin well it's basically also the same thing coming from a very underprivileged family you understand what other people like you are going through and if me as a dominican person that is not such a rich country i'm already more privileged than other people that's a lot so it was the need for me and my partner Marek. we wanted to really help that's why Maya Marek Daritza <laughs> so we decided that we would like to help uh girls especially we the, the main focus will be girls in uh for now Nigeria in the Borno state very close to Boko Haram if you know like Boko Haram like usually takes care and makes them sex slaves mm. and this is like a very poor community and we would like to just start there we're starting there because you feed a man you give a man a fish and you feed him for a day by you teach him how to fish and you feel him and you feed him for his life. And you cannot only focus on the type of NGOs that feed people, which is, which is good, but you get used to going to this specific place to be fed because you know, they have food. You go to this specific place because you know, they have water. Another thing is to be able to know that even if it's a smaller amount of people, because that's what we focus, we focus on smaller uh, groups of children. uh, So we can make sure that we can continuously check up on them and see how they develop further in life. So we can make sure that they have the opportunities to bring back to their communities. For example, I am currently in Spain. I am not in Dominican Republic. 
but I love Dominican Republic so much that everything that I am learning here, I want to take there and replicate so more people can grow. So this is where it comes from. It's like you're making sure that you're teaching these children in these small communities in Nigeria. So once they're at academic states, they're getting good uh, job opportunities, they can come back. I did sort of the same uh, with my church in Dominican Republic. I was doing this um, um, summer camp. And at first, I just started as one of the kids that was being part of the summer camp. Once I outgrew the summer camp, I started volunteering so I could be the one uh, fixing the chairs, trying to organize the things that were happening, volunteering, then later on as a nun, so I would take care of the kids. And that's sort of the same module. Like, you want to make sure that these kids go back so they can nurture their community. And especially as females, we're most of the time very family related, not as much as the boys where they are more independent in a way. Usually women just want to keep on helping and they want to still be part of the family. So that's why we would like to mostly do girls. At the moment, we're, her- we're helping a school, three- which three months ago, they didn't have like a proper building. We-, we helped them make the building. We also got water for them. We've given them supplies for education, like notebooks and so on. And right now we're also uh, giving them benches like so they can also have more space to sit properly, not only on the floor. And also just making sure that they're able to educate themselves so they can learn, they can come out of this place in order for them to grow, but then can, they can also give back to the community once they're old enough. That's fantastic. I love that. And as I was reading through the foundation, you're, like, you're giving them the skills that they need to be yeah. able to contribute contribute teaching them skills being able to go on the workforce uh, maybe uh, go into different internships and so on to be able to be like strong empowered women so that's fantastic and it's just incredible work that you're both doing so yeah I love that I didn't know that Maya was for Marikan yeah it's uh, I like that that's how the name came about too that's that's fantastic I love that I love that that's how it came Yeah, no, that's really cool. That's really cool. So listeners, the question that me and Yarissa are going to be diving into is how do you maintain kindness through hardship? Now, Yarissa, what were some first things that came to your mind when I mentioned this question to you? Hmm, When you mentioned that question, I was definitely thinking about, first of all, the, the hardship that I felt in my life because I cannot talk about others. I have to talk from experience. And the hardship that I felt through my life, I've always wanted to sort of channel in a way that it helps me grow in order, instead of being bitter. I just wanted to make me grow and know that, okay, that happened to me. I'm learning from it. And I am able to just take the bits and pieces that make me be a better person and that make me grow. Because otherwise it happened for, for no reason. And sometimes things just happen in life, either for you, to understand that you don't have to go through that again, to understand what you can do next time for it to be better and how you can also prevent other people to having to go through what you've been. And I feel that the best way to approach any hardship that you feel that you feel in your life is also through kindness. Because when you appreciate even the smallest thing in this darkest time, then you're going to be able to, to take what's best for you. I sometimes do this, just focus on a day and be grateful for something that happened to me. Uh, I tried to do the 365 grateful. I wasn't, I haven't been able to accomplish it, to go every single day through it. But for sure, when I feel like a day has been very rough and I feel something didn't go out the way that I wanted to, I take the time to sit down and be like, okay, things didn't go well, but what was good about this day? Were you able to see a fantastic sunrise? Were you able to see your your mother smile? And I feel those are the things that keep me focused in or, instead of just being like, oh, my God, oh, my God, life is so hard. Life is so hard. Yeah, yeah. So that part of that, like, allows you to be kinder to others and, like, do things. Because you know what's interesting that I found, which, which I thought was very interesting, we're not actually born with kindness. So a lot of all the research that they did is that it's that something that we're if our parents didn't teach us kindness, yeah. we don't know what it is and we don't do it as adults. And it's a habit. Like if you don't practice being kind, because kindness is action. It's not nice. It's action. Yeah. So if you don't practice being kind daily or weekly or so on, you're actually not able to maintain this habit, which I thought was which 
was incredibly interesting. And so I see like a lot of people who go through difficult things throughout their childhood or maybe weren't taught kindness, uh, the hardships that they experience, they're not able to to maintain kindness or have kindness at all towards other people. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's interesting. But then from experience, a lot of people that I know that went through through hardship are actually kind. And mm. that's why the world is so the world. Sure. So sure. So they, they, they were instilled, like their parents must have been bringing them up. Well, they yeah. taught them kindness. Yeah. For sure. Or anyone that was around them was like mm. teaching them about it. Because, yeah, I mean... That's the thing, like you cannot focus on the worst, you need to sort of focus on the best. And it's also about that, it's just trying to help other people that you know are that you know that are not going through a good time. Like if you know your neighbor is not uh being able to to have food for the day and you know that you have maybe not a lot, but you're willing to give him some, so he's also able to like survive. So he's also able to to endure. And even if it's just with attention, because you know someone is having a very bad time. And all you can do is give them attention, then that's already something good that you're doing because you might not have the money or you might not have the solution to their problems. But if you're able to be there, listen, give them a hug and say, I understand and things are going to get better. I'm going to be here by your side. Then that's already something that you're doing towards that person. And, and that's an act, an act of kindness itself. And maybe they will learn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As I was re- like I was researching a bit more about it and I thought it was really interesting. There's this thing that they call post-traumatic growth. So mm-hmm. they did this, they did like these studies and they found that people who experienced really hard trauma, difficult trauma, when they did this study, they did a study on 84 to 120 people. They found that those people were able to be more compassionate and kind to those that were that experienced um, difficult situations. But the people that didn't have or experienced difficult or strong traumas didn't have compassion and kindness. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like human beings connect to the to, to like problems. We connect to the issues that we have. We connect to the things that we have in common. And maybe if I am someone that was uh, sexually or mentally abused and I someone else that went through the same thing as me, then I am able to connect through that pain and I am able to, through my experience, be able to help you grow out of it because I know what you've been through and I'm trying to be able to get myself into your shoes. Well, if you're someone that has been going about life uh, where nothing really tough has happened to you and everything has been so good you think of like, well, she was abused because of the way that she was dressed. I mean, she shouldn't have been dressed like that. Otherwise, like she should have known better. Otherwise, that wouldn't have happened. I mean, you're thinking of the victim as if it was the one that caused the problem instead of being like, no, that person wasn't doing anything at all to be attacked. That person wasn't doing anything at all to be abused. And that's something that you need in order sometimes to understand it some hardship needs to go through your life, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. So or do you think? No, maybe gratefully. <laughs> we come stronger because we come stronger most of the time out of problems. If we really know how to handle them and if we really learn how to do it in a very objective way, like you can really learn a lot. And that's, that's what, if I wouldn't have had all the struggles that I had as a kid, I wouldn't be able to appreciate what I'm living right now. That's, that's the way that I feel. Yeah, yeah. But people who are lucky enough to face less hardship, like, you know, you don't want them to face more hardship or you're, you don't want them to face real strong hardships, but how can they, how can they, you know, have this compassion for others and be kind to others? Like it's, it's like, do they have to have or go through something super difficult for them to have this compassion and kindness? No, not necessarily. That comes with what you just said about the practice. That's something that you have to sort of practice every single day. And it comes a lot about listening to other people. Even if you don't understand them, just taking the chance to listen to other people 
and be like, okay, I don't know what you're going through, but I hear you. And I try, like, I sort of understand what the issue is. I sort of understand what the problem is. Then maybe something can sort of be born in you. And that's out of practice. If you know that you've, that you've had a good, like, I'm not wishing hardship on people. I'm just wishing that they can, for a moment, just stop life. They can just listen, pay attention, and see what others are going through. And actually knowing that you've been privileged in a way and knowing that you can do even the smallest thing to help others, even just knowing that an NGO uh, goes every single, like every couple of months to this special town and provides healthcare for some people. And you are able to volunteer because even if you haven't been through something hard, you know that you can help others. Then you go, you volunteer, you do the work. And once they're in that position, I think like you, you can understand better just to go and see it. Like, I feel like we just have to listen so much more so we can understand. It's something so basic, but sometimes we just sort of miss it because you're, uh, oh my God, in Spanish, it's so much better to say it. Hmm. Mm. Well, sometimes you hear people. Okay. Yeah. I, I can say it in English. Sometimes you hear people, but you don't listen to them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So many people do that. What about people who, because I'm sure, I don't know, but I'm thinking that the people who don't practice kindness, who don't know how to be kind, don't know this about themselves. Do you think they, do you think they know? No. <laughs> do you know, like, people that you might know that, that are not kind, do you think they know that they're not kind? Yeah, the thing is sometimes the, the most embedded attitudes that you have in yourself, you don't even realize that you have them. Some bigots don't know that they are. Yeah. It's like, it's like I, I don't hate black people. No, I just have a problem that they don't want to push themselves farther and they don't come out of poverty you know, being in gangs. <laughs> Excuse <Yeah>. me? <laughs> yeah. What are you saying right now? Yeah, sometimes people that are not kind, they don't realize it. And sometimes people that are racist, they, they just don't realize it because yeah. they might stay inside of their bubble and that bubble is never burst. Yeah. If you knew someone who wasn't kind, would you tell them? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. It's, it might be very hard to find the right words and it, will be, and it will not be something that I myself will go and sit down to someone and say it on the first thought, like, hey, you're not kind. Uh, but I will definitely sort of maybe like warm it up in a way that I can just like talk about it and maybe just like, hey, like some suggestions to implement or maybe I'm doing this in my life and help me so much to appreciate everything that I've done. And I feel so much better sometimes when I am able to help others than when I do something for myself. And, and will you want to join me one day? <laughs> that's, that's a good way. I like that. I like that. No, it's not like you have to try it. Yeah. Like it's so much fun. Let's do it together. Yeah, no, that's a great, a great way. I like, I like that you, you, you took that approach instead of just saying you're not kind. Oh, for sure. Not like, because then, then ego gets in the way. I feel like when you approach to someone and you're like, hey, dude, you're not kind. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> sure. No, I, I, and that's very, uh, that's also a very Dominican way. We don't, we don't always go directly into things. We like to sort of test you out to understand what is the best possible way for us to tell you the things uh, in a way that we feel like you're not going to overreact or that you're not going to get upset. No, we just want to do it in a way that it's like comfortable for both. Yeah, yeah. If you were, if you like, for for people who who uh, maybe are aware that they that they're like, maybe I do something kind once a year or something like that, and they they kind of know that about themselves. Like, what would you, uh, if, if you know, doing too many things might be like too like crazy for them or they're like uh why would I do that like do you know like what would like some little things that they could do to show kindness to others to maybe put it instill like a habit in them well to start a habit a habit even at the most even at the easiest most basic thing that you could do is even find out again about a charity even a charity and you can just go online 
see what they're doing. And if you feel inclined towards the work that, they, that they're doing, and if you have the financial ways to help, even if it's $1, even if it's 5 and you, on a regular basis, every few weeks or even monthly, you start giving some money to this charity, the same $1, $5 to the charity, you can do it. And, and in a way, like you already know that you're helping someone else. But you need to learn to do it because you want to and you really feel like it will be so good to help someone else. Not because you're feeding your ego saying like, oh, I am helping this charity and I am doing so much better for the world because I am feeding a poor, a poor child. No, if you really do it because you know that this is the possible way that you, that you can um, uh, help because you know that you don't have enough time to go... Um, to go and do voluntary work, even cleaning the the front porch of your neighbor will be an act of kindness. You can start doing these things or even for the planet, like something kind that you can do for the planet and yourself is like start recycling or even go zero waste. Those are ways to be kind to more people that you don't even know. I was someone that never thought about having children because I felt like Maybe I should go ahead and adopt. Like there are so many children already in the world. Like even if I am going to love a children of my own, why should I not just take another children that will not have that love and care and, uh, and provide it myself? Even do it. That's, that's big. I don't that's a big tell. thing, yeah. <laughs> that's a big thing. But even just like sort of thinking around the things that you could maybe do. Like I said, like just start by cleaning someone, just start by cleaning your, your neighbor's porch. Just start like by, by cutting the, the, the grass or some, something small like that might help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know that your sister is having a lot of work and the baby is giving her uh, like a lot of stress. Like you can go and take care of your sister's baby. You can go and clean uh, and do the dishes for her. Like you can go and help your mother and spend some time with her. Listen to her. Even if it bothers you that she talks so much or she's saying that just listen to her. Because even that, that is in, in, in your close environment will help you make it easier in the future for you to be able to do more and help other people and just generally be more kind. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too, like the other thing that I found with the with a lot of the research is the people who practice being kind and they have that as a habit, when they see somebody that does need help, they don't think about it. They just do immediately. Mm-hmm. So let's say someone drops something or they're about to slip on their crossing a road or something. You just immediately go into action. You don't actually think about it. You know, And the people who aren't in practice or in, in a habit of, of being kind, it takes a long time. They actually need to think about it to help the other person and for a while before they actually make the attempt. So you will stop thinking about it the more you put, do these things and, and practice these, these habits of kindness and, uh, and, doing these, and doing these different things for others. So I, I really yeah. hope, like I was, I don't know why, I thought everybody was born kind. But um, I really do hope that more people can, if you're not aware of, uh, like, if you're not kind, maybe you're not aware of it. And if you, if you know somebody who isn't kind, I think I love that, Yaritza, you pointed out that you could tell somebody, hey, I'm going to go do this for this person. Why don't you join me? And I think that's a great way um, that we can get people to be more and more kind to one another, because it's definitely something that a habit that we all need to be maintaining and spreading and, and sharing with each other. Oh, for sure. We'll have such a better world, a better world if we were more kind one another. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Yorisa, thank you so much for joining me. It went by so quickly uh, for joining oh. me on this, like, <laughs> on this podcast. It's been like a beautiful, like, just discussion with you. What I love to ask my guest speakers um, at the end of the podcast is, how has this conversation with me made you reflect or made you, like, hi- it highlighted something to you? Um, it made me, and we're, I'm still on the appreciation mode, it made me realize a lot about uh, even my mother knowing that how she endeavored to be kind in me and uh, just, you know, how <laughs> I mean, just how uh, how I need to be grateful to everything that I have, even just to be able to be talking to you today because 
that's how life is. And we're going to be so much better the moment that we start realizing that, that, that everything that every day is a, is a reason to just be kind, to just be grateful, sorry, to just be grateful. And in every day we can find a way to be kind to one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you say, how can the listeners find you? Oh, the listeners can find me at Jaritza Reyes underscore R. Uh, well, I mean, can you just put it there so they know how to write it? I will. I'll put it in the description. So they won't, you won't have to look for it. You can just click on it. <laughs> yeah, for some, Dominicans will understand how to write my name correctly in a, in a heartbeat, but some other people might have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. most of the time you can just find me on my, on my Instagram, Jaritza Reyes. And also my YouTube has Jaritza Reyes. I, yeah, I post a lot about like beauty for like taking care of crows because of this beautiful big afro that I have that I love so much. <laughs> and also about experience, about, um, uh, yeah, just about life and everything that sort of happens to me from which I can learn something I also share with them. That's fantastic. And I'll also link your YouTube channel to the, to the show description too. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It was great. It was great talking to you and thinking about life and thinking about <laughs> to others and going back through memory lane and also letting people know about the Maya Foundation, that they can also just find us at Maya Foundation and through uh, Marek Smizlowski page, my, uh, my partner, Marek. You can also find more, more information about the foundation and you can also help uh, by donating so we can buy more benches and we can continue to grow that foundation because it's very much necessary. It absolutely is. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farrag. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I want to hear from you listeners. The question again, how do you maintain kindness through hardship? Leave an audio, video or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We will include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.